Hi, this is Mike McNamara, and you're listening to All Marine Radio on your home for it, the one and only All Warrior Radio Network. That's the wrong song. Open up the champagne. Pop. It's my house. Come on. Turn it up. Uh. Hear a knock on the door and the night begins. That little mistake will never see the air again. It's the wonders of audio editing. What is up? And we're fucking back. Napa man used to say that in Afghanistan. He thought it was so funny that I did a radio show. And he used to sit. We get to Afghanistan. And we replace. I'm not even going to say who we replaced. But this is the weirdest group of Marines I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. They were like the most beaten down human beings. Yeah, you're like, where the fuck did we land? Are, are these American Marines? And they were. They wore the same uniform and everything. And Napa Man, he was our current operations officer, right? And then I worked for him. So, um, and then F-18 Man, so we sat like, I don't know, I may, I was maybe 10 feet from Napa Man. He was behind me. And there was kind of people walked between us. And then as you went into the COC, there was, a, there was like, I think, three layers of tables that might have been 30 to, what, two, three, yeah, probably 30 feet in length. And so I sat in the middle, right, of the of the first row. F-18 man sat right in front of me. I could, like, reach out and grab his collar, right? And then in front of F-18 man sat other dudes, right? And then there's all these big screens, and we're watching everything. Our air guys are on the left wall, right? So anyway, when we get there, the guy who has Napa Man's job has this little wooden desk. And I thought he was in fucking timeout corner. Like when we got there, I'm like, why is that guy in timeout corner? I'm like, oh, that's Tony Sama, who's a great dude. <laughs> he's, he's not in timeout corner. I'm like, what's that thing? That's like, that's where he works every day. That's fucking ridiculous. Yeah, you know, that's how they are. Um... So anyway, day one, Napa Man builds this, like, <clears throat> current operations office extravaganza. And so he's sitting behind me. And so he's intrigued with the whole radio thing. And he would spontaneously combust in the middle of the day and yell out, like, and this is the only thing he would yell, like, and we're back. And he'd yell, he'd yell it. I'd be like, what the fuck is wrong with you, man? <laughs> I'd turn around and just shake my head. Like, are you stupid? You're from California. I'm from California. Northern California. Knock that shit off, man. And uh, he could not do it. He could not do it. He loved it. So he, this morning he goes, hey, man, you've got to, like, you got to blow up. And we're back. When I said I was. I was thinking about it yesterday. 
I was thinking about it yesterday. So, uh, so we are back after three weeks. And, uh, and I, you know, today's a day off. And I'm like, you know, I really do need to finish the fourth hour in video production. So I got up and I started working on that. And, and then all my friends have turned into weather bitches, right? Yeah. Montana man, they're all like, it's like 90 below up here. Napa man moved to Wisconsin. (laughs) Yeah. He's now Wisconsin. He's now Badger man. He doesn't, uh, he doesn't go, (laughs) he's like going to the zoo for the first time. Wait, how long does this happen? Yeah, you got a couple more months, man. What? Wait, when is spring coming? Late April. Wait a minute. That's not in the brochure. Yeah. Hey, don't believe everything you read. (laughs) So anyway, so I want a nap man to come on because he's fucking funny about shit like this. Um, But he's working. He's a steel man now. Yeah, nap man is. Not so much Napa. He's a teamster guy now. So anyway... um, F-18 man just flew up to Montana, so he's going to join us here in about four minutes, so we'll hear from Rudy, and then uh, Will Constantini is going to join us, and uh, he's been whining his ass off, oh my God, and so they're whining about the weather, and so I get home Friday, Um, yeah, it was beautiful here in Southern California, nice and warm, 67, and then yesterday... I got sunburn, so I, I, you know I had to tell them about it, right? Yeah, sorry about your weather, boys, but I think I just got sunburn out in the backyard. I had to, my lawn looked awful. I looked at Colleen last night at dinner. I'm like, Colleen, are you shitting me? How could you not, how could you not mow the lawn? She's like, oh, you know, I saw that. I'm like, unbelievable. Who raised you? And I looked at her mother. Mm-hmm. Um. So, so I mowed the lawns and did some yard work. Just started cleaning up the backyard a little bit, and I, I got a uh, I got a Smith machine and uh, uh, kind of a gym thing, and it came in about a million boxes. And so I had to rip down all the boxes to cut them into small pieces because if you do that, you can get all of it into one garbage can, almost. That's how many boxes I had. But if you're determined, which I was. And you cut it up into small pieces, you could do it. So I was out there for a while. Cleaned up my backyard, right? Blah, 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 blah. And got a little sunburn. No kidding. Sunburn. You know, and you know how you feel it. You feel it in the shower. Right? Like, wow, what's what's that? Oh, got to turn the hot water down because I'm sunburned. Yeah, so I, I shared that with my, my friends in a loving way. You know how that is. Um, <clears throat> what else is going on? Um, I've been working since I came home. Uh, mostly cutting uh, video for a seminar that uh, that uh, kind of a pilot program with post-traumatic winning that I will tell you has been awesome since I haven't been able to talk to you guys. And um, pilot program going, and holy shit, man. Um, the things people say um, are amazing. We got into this discussion about secondary trauma, which I want to talk about. And so I heard people say, well, you know, my trauma is not secondary. No, my trauma is secondary trauma. And, oh, F-18 man's coming on, so he'll know about the bug splat. So anyway, so I say, so I'm listening, 
And, and, and she says, so I'm a pediatric trauma nurse. Blah, 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 blah. She's talking about secondary trauma. And, um, and I said, wait a minute. What is a secondary pediatric nurse? Um, what does a pediatric trauma nurse do? And she said, well, you know, we deal with uh, children that have been physically assaulted, sexually assaulted, blah, 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 blah. And in and, and the way she's articulated this, she's trying to minimize her involvement because it's secondary trauma. And I was like, wait a minute, you're still part of the bug spot though. And so then another woman says, you know, I haven't, you know, I haven't, you know, I haven't uh, participated in anything, but I haven't had any really traumatic things, but, you know, you know, somebody in my family's tried to kill themselves four times. And I'm like, wait, I don't understand this, man. I don't understand this. But I bet, and then, but the things that are coming out of it are, are awesome. And so, uh, my thanks to, uh, Susan and Peggy for getting this thing going. And, uh, it's very cool. Um, but let me, let me get F-18 men on here. So I'm only going to be for around for an, about an hour today. And, uh, and so F-18 man flew to Montana yesterday. He's in Las Vegas right now. Good morning. And here he is himself, Kurt Knowles, call sign Rudy. So, um, hey, do you, the idea, you understand what the bug splat is, right, relative to aviation ordinance? Well, yeah, it's the, where basically when the whatever ordinance you're laying down or employing, like what's the what's the impact area that that's going to have? You know, so, you know, the, the, where the terminology came from is if you think of a bug hitting the windshield, how much splat goes across the windshield, right? So how much how much frag is, is away from the center mass of the ordinance, the, bu- the bug splat, right? That's what you're talking about. So I, I had in this in this pilot program with post-traumatic winning that I do once a week now in the evening, you know, that's the, that's the image that popped in my head when people started talking about secondary trauma. Like, I'm not a, I'm a, I'm a first responder, right? So it didn't happen to me, but I dealt with it. And then you say, and then you have people say, well, yeah, but that's not primary trauma. You weren't the one that, the, you're, you're not the victim. And so to me... But you're still impacted by the frag of it. Yeah, but the way... I know, but the way everybody's saying is that they're diminishing the experiences by saying, well, I wasn't the... I wasn't the the person, so I know that, you know, I don't have any right to feel this way. And I'm sitting there listening to this going, you're still part of the bug splat, though, right? Absolutely. Yeah, if if you're on the outside of the bug splat... You're still in the fucking bug splat, okay? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. For you, you're in the center of it. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, I just thought it was interesting. I never heard people, I, I never really heard the term, although I looked it up and, and it makes sense. But it, what's interesting is the term was created to include people to say, no, this is significant. What cops see, what firefighters see, what first responders see, what nurses see, what ER people see. That's all. That's not like antiseptic events, man. Yep. So anyway, I thought the bug splat was a good way of looking at it, and it's a great analogy. It's yeah, great. and just by coincidence, a bug splat dude comes on. 
Yes. Well, you try to keep your bugs flat to the uh, the minimum when we're talking about collateral damage. Well, exactly. So. And so you, you look at it when and when you're doing analysis. What yes. you, you look at is you say, do we want to employ this piece of ordinance? Because well, that's what it's funny because right? we would you know you're looking at different targets that we were employing on like <clears throat> when you and I were in Afghanistan. It's like, well, just throw a 500-pounder on. I'm like, no, it's probably better we use a Hellfire or maybe even Strafe and, and have direct fire weapons and employ on this. Or get you know, Harvest like, Hawk. Harvest Hawk, we had this ghetto-ass C-130 and <laughs> with, with, with reduced, you know, with, with smaller munitions. And that the, had Hellfire, and then the one in the back was essentially the same as like a Javelin. Right, so, and, it, and yeah. so you could, you could do it in proximity to other structures. And you weren't going to touch anything. In fact, the first time we whacked these dudes with it was such a beautiful thing. They had they tried to ambush a bunch of Marines. And we had, what, a Reaper or something or something they could see on station. And we followed them back. And then they all got together in a group, which we didn't see happen. Most of the time, they all split up. These dudes got together in a group in a compound. And the beautiful thing, and Rudy explained this to me. But the beautiful thing about Harvest Hawk was that the munition traveled subsonic. And Rudy sure. explained that to them relative to what we would see with some of the hypersonic. Uh, well, because supersonic, supersonic. weapons, yeah, supersonic weapons, you actually, they, this real smart, you know, people will understand that you can actually hear it before it impacts. And so they would jump right so they explain actually... that explain that because we had this conversation because you you would see i remember this dude shooting a machine gun in marja and he was standing up from behind this wall and when the piece of ordinance got in proximity he heard it and took off running now yeah. he didn't get very far because he ran the wrong fucking way yeah it's, not, it's a guess right it's a get all they're doing is is but it, why does the sound away. why does it, that the sound get there before the piece of ordinance well, it doesn't. It's, it doesn't work that way with like a bullet, right? But it does work that way when you're talking about um, like a Hellfire or something like that, where it's traveling and they'll hear, they'll hear it before it gets there, and so they actually understand to jump away from it before it arrives. It's does really it, does the piece of ordinance slow down and the sound keep going? How does that work? Maybe that's how I, I don't know the physics of it. In proximity that, to the ground, maybe because there's some way they figure out they hear that it. it it's they can hear it before it arrives if it's a supersonic weapon, but subsonic, they can't. They don't ever hear it because it never breaks the sound barrier. Oh my! So these guys are standing around talking. Yeah, you know we we had them, and then we started shooting at them, and then we all got away, and then kablam! Oh my god! And one guy miraculously runs out of it. Yep. And I don't want to say that we chased him down and something really bad happened to him, but that might have fucking happened. <laughs> Woo! But anyway, uh, yeah, they were. Well, they remember they were they were popping on Marines though. They were, you know, they were. We had tracked them for a while. Yeah, look, this were, was not us not saying, "Oh, let's rouse some farmers today." No, these no. are guys that shot, ambushed. Right and tried to kill Marines, and they got yes. everything they fucking deserved. Okay, <laughs> yeah. So anyway, but it's the concept of how we got there. The concept of bug splat is an important one, and that is the collateral damage is just as much damage as the primary target got. You know, and so absolutely, it's really yeah. interesting in, in these post-traumatic winning discussions to talk about people in in civilians that are in these professions 
that are dealing with children and victims, right? And then what they go through and this whole idea of secondary trauma. And that's why I'm, I'm convinced more than ever that trauma is trauma is trauma is trauma is trauma. Put your exacto knife away. It's irrelevant. The way it impacts us is, is the key thing. And so mm-hmm. if, you're, if you're, now again, I would differentiate it between, you know, hearing about it, reading about it, you know, watching it on a video is not the same as being, you know, in the bug splat, which is you had a probably first person, a, a, a first person event in there. It's you involved with something. So, well, here's, here's, a, here's a good example, Mac, is when you came on scene of that horrible helicopter crash, you weren't involved in the crash. Yeah, no, I'm a secondary I'm a secondary trauma bitch. That's right. You're, right? You're, you're holding people in, in your arms trying to revive them. And, and, yeah, so like, you know, why, Mac, why does that upset you? I don't know. Yeah, exactly. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I guess I just... Uh, you weren't involved in the helicopter yeah, crash. No, but no. I came on scene and tried to revive them. So, Dude, the fucking yeah. thing almost hit me. Yeah. So you're yeah. the perfect example of the bug splat. I know. I yeah. know. I'm a secondary trauma bitch, man. What can I say? <laughs> no, but I heard this and, and I thought, you know, I, imagine the sentiment of somebody saying this seriously. I know that it's not me primarily, but it's like, wait, stop, please. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So anyway, but I will tell you this: the seminar is very cool. The, this t- pilot thing is very cool. If you would still like to be a part of it, just shoot me an email, and I'll put you in touch with uh, Susan and Peggy, and uh, you can hop in. Um, Great, because we're looking for because we want people to go through it and then give us their feedback and stuff like that. So anyway, yeah, uh, you yeah, flew absolutely. up to Montana. Um, Rudy and I both live in Southern California. I've been gone. I got back Friday just in time. Actually, did get sunburned. I validated it in the shower this morning because you know when you're sunburned and you the hot water hits you, you go, yeah, oh, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. ow, yeah. ow, my sun, what is that? My oh, my sunburn. I thought I got sunburned. It's legit verified. But our friends are all now whiny weather bitches, and you actually uh, flew up to Montana, right? You flew. I was to- in Bozeman, Montana, right next to where Montana Man is. It was, and it, here's me, SoCal golf shirt, <laughs> departing that morning. And I had a like a golf pullover, and I get out of the jet, and it's like first I about fell on my ass because it was <laughs> ice and snow, and then two I'm like wearing a golf pullover, no gloves, my hands froze in about 33 seconds, and I was like, I can't even open the doors on the to get the luggage out of it for the people in the jet. No, uh, it was like crazy, what? minus 19 Celsius up in Montana. Do you not Montana normally yesterday. check the weather of your destination when you oh, get no, the plane? Oh no, we knew it was cold, but and I was like, oh, I'll be fine with my golf pullover. No, no my little... <laughs> <laughs> Montana. The guys in Montana looked like they were like they were in like Gore Four, like they were like full on winter boots, like the big huge like. You know, in the movie Christmas Story, where the kids got the big, huge, like you know, snow costume on, where it's he can barely put his arms down. Yeah, they're that's like, what the guys look like. They came and took care of the jet. Yeah, they're figures yeah. right out of a Carhartt catalog. Yeah, exactly, exactly. The day so, after the world, <clears throat> the nuclear winter, right? And <laughs> and we're all trying to survive. <laughs> they're like wrapped. Their faces are wrapped in these. Like they're like a mummy. All yes. I see is their eyes, and it's not because of COVID. You know, <laughs> no. it's like no. it, they are. And I'm sitting out there with my my little COVID mask on, like trying to keep my breath warm. You know, I wasn't wearing it because of COVID. I was wearing it to keep my face warm. So, what was the air temperature? Minus 19 Celsius. 
negative 19 Celsius. Wait. Yeah. That's like still above zero, though, right? We're talking Fahrenheit. We're Americans. Why are you talking Celsius? So Fahrenheit would be, so you got uh, zero, remember, zero degrees Celsius is freezing, right? So you're below freezing. Um, That's above zero, though. Ni- ni- minus 19 Celsius is what it was yesterday. All right, hold on. So I'll look it up. Little, do yeah. your little. I'll do. I'll do my shit. I in in North Dakota, uh, you can uh, you can PT outside run until ten below. In my opinion, because the quick math is like let's say it's five degrees Celsius. How we do it quickly? Just the rule of thumb is you times it by two, add thirty. Add thirty two. Yeah. So that'd be ten. When we go negative, what do we do? That's what I don't know. Negative, because I don't hardly ever experience it. Like I'll say, oh, it's five degrees Celsius. Well, times two is 10, add 30, so it's 40 degrees Fahrenheit. But I don't know when it comes negative Celsius, I'm not sure what you do. Do you times two? I don't think you would times two add 30 because it would that would be like crazy freezing. Fahrenheit is 2.2 degrees below zero, which is nothing. So how, how, how cold was it yesterday in Fahrenheit? 2.2 degrees, yeah, below, two degrees. Below zero. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was stinking cold. So how? It, well, here's what happened. The jet got so angry, the jet was mad at us. It was like we go to start it up to leave, and we got all these sensors are popping. It was telling us the door wasn't closed because literally the door sensor was saying, "Nope, I'm not closed." And it's like I'm looking at the door; it's closed. Things were freezing on the plane. I'm like, oh my god, we're gonna drag this in a hangar, like warm it up just so that the, the sensors on the aircraft would say it was okay to fly luckily we literally i'm not kidding you went out and rubbed things with our hands so like friction you know technique to get things to warm up to be able to, to so the sensors would trick that okay it's, i'm warm the door's closed now i mean that that was like crazy how cold it was yeah it was nuts so you got the hell out of there so you flew up you did you spend the night no i was only on deck for about two hours Thank God. So we, Thank God, yeah, right? Was, you and your you and your fucking golf shirt. <laughs> I know. Come back in, crank the heat in the jet, and we were out of there. So <laughs> Is there well, when, I did wave at Montana, man. I said parted to the south and uh we went right but right by uh, Big Timber. So I was went did a little wing. Montana wing, man, hey, Montana man he's such a punk, right? He's a big Red Sox and Patriots fan, right? We had a discussion about oh Bill Belichick, he's the man. Right? He's the fucking man. He just reloads. That's how we do it in New England. And I said, oh, I think T. Brady is the fucking man. Okay? Bill Belichick wasn't shit till T. Brady showed up, if you remember Drew Bledsoe. And he wasn't shit in Cleveland either. And now Tom Brady's throwing the Lombardi trophy in the bay, <laughs> in the bay and pissing off the designer's daughter. I mean, dude, that that boat to boat toss though—that is a money throw. Did you see it? On, I, I mean, did not. He I, just, I just heard about it. I'm like, what is all this oh commotion about? He he. So it's like they've got a parade of boats, right? And all the players are on the boats, and they're you know, of course, these huge boats. And Tom's on almost like a barge. And the way I can, the way I was looking at it, and, and the barge is being followed by this yacht. And they've got both videos, like they've got the video from Tom's side throwing it, and they got the video from catching it. And uh, the guys over catching are, are they're yelling at him to throw the, the, the trophy. And he's kind of, you can tell he's like kind of hesitating, like, I don't know if I should do this. And then he walks to the back of the barge, and then, you know, then it's like all the teammates are like, come on, do it, do it. And he throws this thing. Uh, it's probably a good 10, 15 yards, like throws it. And it, 
and he like he almost it's almost kind of like a uh, an underhand like a horseshoe toss the way he throws it perfectly throws to the dude's <laughs> chest and the guy catches the Lombardi trophy just like he caught a football like he catches the upper half of the Lombardi trophy the ballpark like a, like he catches it and then everyone just goes crazy like the fact that he, Tom Brady just threw the Lombardi trophy boat to boat and it was caught <laughs> in a perfect toss you know it was just and then like, the oh, uh, the daughter of the designer is indignant about it she uh, confusing the Lombardi trophy trophy for the Sistine Chapel right she wants she wants a fucking apology from Tom Brady are you shitting I heard me that the leadership of the Bucks are I got some words for her exactly like, like hey go to hell lady <laughs> exactly. but I'll tell you what the Stay best thing lane. the exactly the best thing that could have happened to that trophy is that it bounced and got dented that would that thing's value would have gone straight through the roof oh my god this is the oh trophy god. To be auctioned someday for like ten times what any other Lombardi trophy was. The trophy that was that got dinged. But yeah. the trophy that got that got thrown. Oh my god. It yeah. was, it's just an awesome so thing. Mo- yeah. So Montana man, he punked out of watching all sports because of I'm not I why did he punk out? No, because it was the NFL was pro. You know, oh yeah, the right NFL. Yeah, yeah. yeah, after yeah, yeah. yeah. all of this shit, uh, the national anthem protest. National anthem. So he conveniently <laughs> punked out, and the Red Sox suck ass, and they're getting worse, right? And and New England got Cam Newton. They're absolutely awful. So he like says, I don't, "You can't tease me about it because I don't like sports anymore." I'm like, "Yeah, just in time, motherfucker." I mean, be a man like Rudy. The Seahawks sucked. Right, he yeah, take, we're in a rebuilding year. We're he re- takes it. He takes it like a man, right? The 49ers season was over in the first half of the second game when Nick Bosa blew his knee out. Like, oh, we're out. Fuck it. So there you have it. There you have it. All right. Thank you very much for hopping on this morning. And, well, it's beautiful uh, in Vegas. Everybody's <laughs> heading to Vegas. <laughs> it's it's like there, I'm outside in shorts right now. Is there anybody there? Uh, yeah, it's actually pretty open. Um. Mass laws are in effect, but you can eat in restaurants. Um, yeah, Vegas is ha- Vegas is, is moving. It's it seems pretty. Besides people wearing masks, it's pretty much back to normal. I got a call from somebody yesterday. Uh, I got a call from the VA yesterday, and it's like the Long Beach VA is calling me on Sunday, and I'm like, well, why would they? Did that? They like intercept like intercept a piece of my stool in the LA sewage system? No, it's because you're tier one age bracket for the vaccine. They're probably like, hey, we got it. And you're, you're, you fit oh, the, uh, yes. the criteria. Yeah. So <laughs> I thought like they intercepted my, so my stool, stool in the orange County, like, and I'm going to die today. That's why they're calling me on fucking Sunday. And I said, hello. And they're like, is this Michael? And I said, maybe who the fuck is this? And why are you call, why are you calling me on Sunday? And they're like, well, it's the best time to get a hold of veterans, and we're trying to schedule your your shot. I'm like, Good. all right, let's do this shit. Yeah, let's do it. So I go on Thursday at 3 o'clock, Long Beach VA. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So I had a friend of mine, I got to tell you this last story, <laughs> because you'll love this. He, he got COVID. Matter of fact, I was actually with him when he got it, because he was over Thanksgiving. And I never got it that that time. I think I had it last year, but anyways – not to digress, he got it, right? <clears throat> and he had minimal effects and he recovered fine. Well, his his wife is in um, like uh, nursing home healthcare uh, profession. And so they were they qualified to get be the first to get the vaccine. So I said, so you got the vaccine and you had COVID? And he goes, yeah, it's like wearing double rubber. <laughs> <laughs> so that that's, the, uh, the double, that's the double rubber. If you got it and... 
you get the vaccine, you're double a rubber. So. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I've traveled all over the country. I've spoken. I've met thousands of people, and I haven't got it. And everybody, really? everybody's masked. Everybody's masked up and shit. So. Anyway. Yeah. So anyway. All right. Social well, distancing. All right. I'll talk to you. Travel safe. Talk to you later. Bye. All right. Now, next up is Will Constantini. Good morning. Joining us from Kansas for, to update the current weather there is William Constantini. Constantini. Why do I say Constantini? I put an N in there. I've always done that. I, 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 I want to apologize for that. Before, prejudice. before we even get going. Um, so, Will, give us an update. And you seem to be whining about the weather. Is that me no, being prejudiced? Or just you're just, just commenting? Just commenting. Got it. All right. All right. Yeah, we're, uh, we're minus six and snowing. It ha- minus six and snowing. <laughs> we're not doing none of that Celsius crap, you know, aviators. I know. What the hell? The... um. All right, so minus six and snowing, and then what's the forecast? Is it going to get warmer today? Because you guys have been at, you guys have been doing this for a while. It's now reached uh, McAllen, Texas. Rumor has it. Yeah, I think I think we're going to warm up to like minus two at some point today. Oh, it's actually going to go to zero, but wow. then at some point overnight, I think tonight's the real cold one, down to like minus eleven or something. So. Uh, now, yeah. let, me, let me just tell you, my criteria in North Dakota was you could still PT outside till 10 below. Once it got to 10 below or the wind started blowing between zero and 10 below, um, then it was, yeah, then it was not really a place for humans. But but I think you're still, unless is the wind, you have much wind? Yeah, it's Kansas. The wind is always blowing. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. That's why it was in North Dakota, man. Flatland country. Flatland country. What about... Um, what else is going on? Anything else uh, we need to know about you and your life? Uh, well, we once again prove the uh, superiority of the chocolate lab breed. Um, my dog went outside yesterday. Well, it was one degrees yesterday. And she sat outside with the snow coming down on her for an hour. And I was getting ready to go down into my gym in my basement. So I didn't want her to sit outside. So I tried to bring her in. And she was like, why would I want to come in? What? Uh, so this morning when it was minus six, I went outside with her and she just rolled around in the snow. And the only way I got her in is because she had, hadn't eaten breakfast yet. So, um, oh, to be a chocolate lab. It's not a bad life. <laughs> Do you think that that speaks to their hardy nature or their intellectual, intellectual inferiority? <clears throat> no, this dog is smarter than you. Trust me. Then moi? I mean, maybe Lynch and Kenny combined, but not me. Surely you, surely you jest. Uh, she's she's pretty smart, dog. So why? Let me ask you this: Why? Um, now you're you're upset because you you were you had you draw a pretty strong and distinct line um, between military service and getting involved in political things. And there's a little bee in your bonnet this morning. Let's talk about that. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, so I saw that they've, they've named a commission, uh, in accordance with the last 
National Defense Authorization Act. And if you remember, President Trump said he was going to veto it because it had the Confederate or the, uh, you know, the renaming commission for the bases, Fort Bragg, um, Fort Lee, Fort Hood. Uh, but he signed it and then he named commissioners in December. And then uh, Secretary Austin purged. That was one of the boards that he purged. Uh, what about a week ago? Maybe two weeks ago. And so they've just read. They just named new commissioners to the board. Uh, and one of them was General Neller, our former commandant. And um, it it just mystifies me that that people that talk about, and I I believe General Neller is one of those that talk about the politicization of the military or depoliticizing the military, get involved in overtly political uh, events and issues. Um, and, and everyone who's going to be involved in this is going to talk about, well, it's the right thing to do. Um, but it's still overtly political, and the, the issue is not in doubt. So I'm not sure why y you would want to lend your name to it. Um, and you do it as general USMC retired. So again, you're wearing my uniform and getting involved in politics. Um, and it just, it's, it, it's a little frustrating. And, it, and also it's, it's a very tactical thing that these people do. The tactical thing is, well, I'm on the right side of this issue, and I believe that these things should be renamed. But when they rename them for a, you know, transgender activist, uh, then you're going to want to have no part of this because, well, or maybe you do for all I know. What the hell do I know? Um, but your involvement doesn't end. Uh, and when this thing gets sticky with who we're going to rename it for, et cetera. You still own that. But, well, no, that's not what I, that's not what I was involved for. And the best thing to do. So is, let me ask you, let me ask you. This. So what in, in your mind, what do you, when, when people lend themselves and there's all <clears throat> kinds of flag officers that do, that do this, right. They're going to be involved in, in, on one of these commissions, they're being drafted. I would say, White, who are our targets that have enough stars, enough visibility, served in high enough billets that gives this thing credibility, that will also sign up for what we want to do, right? That, that yeah. it, When you put it together, that's what you're looking for. So, so you, I mean, you know General Neller. He's a, he's a great guy. He's, he's a great American. In his mind, what is he doing, do you think? He thinks he's doing the right thing. He's come out and said, you know, if you use any sort of Confederate symbology, you're basically supporting racism. And even that, it's a stupid, stupid statement by him. Think about it. You but, ever it, been but, it to, but, it's, but it's very appropriate now. It's very yeah, appropriate now, it. right? Think about the logic of it. You've been through small cemeteries throughout, say, Northern Virginia, and there are Confederate uh, veteran grave markers there. So if one of those people is your ancestor and you go and s visit your ancestors in their graves and they happen to have a Confederate veteran marker there, 
are you a racist now? I, I mean, it's it's utterly ridiculous when you make these broad statements. And his statement went to the point of, you know, end of discussion, all stop, period. Um, and it's it's. Uh, so what do you it, making what are you making the case for? Are you making the case that the Confederate flag isn't racist? What? what? No, I, I'm I'm making the case that because it's now an ex- it's now an exclusive it's now an exclusive argument. Will politics right? It's 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 okay. It's now an exclusive argument. Anything and and I'll tell you what that was really interesting and and I didn't have a chance to follow the news, but I did follow something I saw an article written by about the fallout from the firing of a New York Post reporter from a trip two years ago to Russia, and he's at dinner, and a conversation comes up about the N-word, right? And so, yeah. and so the fallout from this is, is he's, this guy's ultimately fired. And he poses a question to the students on the trip, and he uses the word, right? And he's ultimately fired for uttering the word. And so... So a guy who writes for the New York Times writes this this column that says context no longer matters. Okay. Yeah. And and so and and the editor of the New York Times, I think Dean Baguet, if I'm not mistaken, he squashed the column. He would not allow the column to be printed in the New York Times. Right. America's you know paper of record. And it gets circulated by people in the New York Times, ultimately gets published in the New York Post. And this guy says, so wait a minute, he's sitting at dinner, a student posts him the question, and he says the word in the discussion, and now this guy's fired for being a a racist? And so there's this, what, exclusive use of the, the symbology the term, and anything that has anything to do with it. T- today is President's Day. There will be yeah, disc- we're celebrating white supremacy. Yeah, we're celebrating, celebrating white supremacy by, by, by doing this. And that's going to be the narrative that you see around the country. So until we grow through this, right? And again, I was looking through some of my stuff yesterday. Uh, if you go through the timeline of slavery... And the history of slavery in the world, when people owned people, okay, when people trafficked in people because of the color of their skin, when you go through the timeline of all of that, you know, it's very interesting. In 1833, Washington's been dead for three decades. Britain passes the Abolition of Slavery Act, ordering a gradual abolition of slaveries in all British colonies. Colonies. Not Great Britain. Plantation owners in the West Indies received 20 million pounds in compensation. Great Britain and and Spain signed a treaty abolishing the trade slave, but not outlawing slavery in either Spain or Great Britain. Right? In 1848, France abolishes slavery. There's only one nation on the planet that fought a war over slavery. And so when when you... when you, I don't know, uh, it's and, that, and that's it. I, it. To me, that's not the issue. The issue is politics. Right. No, I know, and not the truth. I know, I'm being stupid. No, that just that that these former senior officers, they it's like a moth to a flame. They can't stay away from it, and they can't even see it in themselves. And there are plenty of things that the federal government does 
that are completely nonpartisan. You know, the American Battle Monuments Commission keeps up the cemeteries in overseas locations. A bunch of retired uh, military people sit on that and rotate through that. I got no problem with people serving on something like that. This thing, though, is obviously overtly political. It was a partisan issue last year. Uh, the fact that uh, Secretary Austin fired all the, that's a partisan way of doing business. And now that you've been put on it, you are a partisan. Oh, no, no, I'm not doing anything political. I mean, the idea that people could say that after spending that much time inside the Beltway proves to you once again that they're either dupes, which I feel a lot of retired uh, flag officers are, or they're frighteningly dishonest and Machiavellian. So it's just unfortunate because how about Sully's, well because Sully's you would take uniform. you would take the naive card away from them because they spent too much time in the Beltway and they know how the game gets played. So the, the, it's not like they're naive and well intentioned, right? I didn't say that. I said there's two options. Right. And again, I take that back. It's, it's my uniform. It's your uniform. It's our uniform that gets dragged through this process. Spain abolishes slavery, including in its colonies through Cuba. Spain, I think, is the first nation to ban slavery, right? Nations initially uh, outlawed the um, they outlawed the slave trade. So that was a way to kind of take some action without like, uh, that was a way of like smoking dope without inhaling it. Kind of like Bill Clinton did. He only took it in his mouth. So didn't really, you know, inhale it. Um, same, 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 same. The, um, all right. What else? Uh, is there anything else that you, uh, that you need to get off your chest so we can make sure that you're, you're okay. No, I'm, uh, I'm good. What didn't I send you something over the weekend? I don't know. But it's, it's going to take more time. It's going to take more time. Yeah, we don't. Well, let me let me just see what I sent you. It was good. Oh, oh, an article or something. Yeah. Oh, you said we have to talk about this. Yeah. Well, I won't have time to do that today, though, because I'm on a good. I know, I know. That's what I'm saying. I got to get. I got to get Timmy on because he's uh, yeah. Texas is in in the deep cold too, and they're not uh, they're not ready. Yeah, minus minus six here isn't great, but it's not out of the ordinary. Whatever he's got got down there is probably sending. You may have to go do a little uh, post traumatic winning with those people. <laughs> they're suffering trauma. Eighteen nineteen Portugal is abolishes the slave trade north of the equator but not slavery that's france yeah no but but again so are we going to cancel the history of the nation because you know there were people in 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 the nation's history or are we going to say you know what uh the nation's been a flawed proposition from the beginning fighting the noble fight right you know why the the nation is a flawed proposition from the beginning because we're human because it's we're made by men. That's right. why exactly. everything is flawed. Right. And people in search of perfection and utopia lead to unbelievable carnage and violence and horrific outcomes. That is a lesson of history. Well, uh, you know what? And that's a little bit scary because um, when you watch what goes on in the country today, it appears to me that 
unless something's done, that's where the nation's headed at some point. And maybe that needs to happen. Maybe, yeah. that, maybe that needs to happen because it doesn't seem like we're able to learn any other way. That's pathetic. It, yeah, it is. It's, it's, it's horrible to contemplate because people have no idea. Right. They have no idea. We've lived this. Pampered, bullshit lifestyle. Right. Fat of the land uh, our entire adult lives. And, um, you know, go ahead and live in Kansas in the wintertime. <laughs> electricity, gas, and water are all intermittent. Right. Right. When it doesn't work because yeah. there's been, you know, a, some kind of civil war going on and people start blowing shit up because no, they don't believe their voice gets heard anymore and their vote doesn't matter. Don't, yeah. take, don't take that shit seriously. You do so at the peril of your own fucking existence. But, oh, no, it's just bullshit. All right, William. Yeah, we don't mean it. We don't mean it. All right, see you. All righty. See you. Yeah, bleaching your own history, not the way you do it. Now, joining me now, hopefully, Tim Lynch. Timmy's got a sweet microphone, so when he comes on, his shit's good. Joining me from McAllen, Texas, is Tim Lynch. What's up, Timmy? Not much, Mac. How are you this morning? I'm good, good. You got home from the gym? Yep, yep. Back, back from the gym, able to make it on the surface streets without slipping off. It was, a, it was a quite the adventure drive. Yeah, I mean, um, when ice comes to places where there's not a lot of ice, uh, nothing good happens. You guys had, you know, what, where was that, in Austin, that they had the horrible pileup? No, that was outside of Fort Worth. That that's well away from me. Nor- normally, they, you get snow and ice up there in the around Dallas Fort Worth area, but down here in tropical Texas, we don't we don't see thirty degree temperatures maybe once in ten years, and it's twenty five right now. Mo- most of the houses down here don't have heat, so that's it's a problem. Don't have heat? No, no, nobody builds with heat down. I mean. The houses, only the newer houses built, like, say, after 2000 would have a central air and heat. Uh, most of the older homes in the area, they, there's no need to have heat. Nobody ever turns it on. I mean, you can go through a year here without ever ever running your heat. It's, 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 it's a problem in the summertime, you know. That's, that's when the temperature's a problem here. But, but right now, it's a, it's a big deal, man. It's going to be down in the 20s all day. Lost power last night just as the big storm hit. And uh, um, fortunately, it was restored within hours. But that was, uh, it's a drag. That's not good, man. People people die because of stuff like that. Yeah, I don't think you'll have that problem here. I mean, it's, it's 25. It will get up into the 40s probably in the daytime. They've got all the schools opened up and they're packed. Uh, like I said, they have maybe a thousand what we call colonias here. Colonias would be where agricultural workers who live below poverty lines uh, a lift. They don't have running water or heat, or they're not on legitimate land. They're je- basically in floodplains, and the the the, the local uh, um, counties administer to them, and the local universities spend an awful lot of time working uh, different p- projects for the poor down there. But those poor people, um, when something like this happens, they all just go into the local high school and sit in the gym and get until the cold snaps. And what so do you I guys think, call them? Are are they essentially colonia? A colonia, a colonia. It's basically, basically Mexicans, not quite legitimately here. Maybe second generation. You got to keep in mind, Mexicans can come into McAllen anytime they want to. The the illegal traffic across the border here is Central Americans, 
And Central Americans, once they cross the, the river, they wait in line to get picked up and bust over to the uh, Border Patrol. So they get processed, turned over to Catholic relief charities and bust out of town in under 24 hours. They're out of here. So so it's it's the poor Mexicans because they can't get past inland past the Falfuri's uh, border checkpoint. That's matter of fact, they lose about I think they find about like a hundred, two hundred bodies a year out around there. People trying to get around that checkpoint right, in the right, right. in the private uh, ranch lands and get get overcome by heat or cold. Well, yeah, it's but a, it's a problem. But yeah. when when the world changes and and it gets cold, like it gets significantly below freezing at night. Um, there's people that simply are not prepared for it. That's uh, no bueno, man. That's no. Oh bueno. no, no, no. They got, they got. How about your house? Full. Somebody just sent me an e- email. Does Tim have heat in his house? Do you have heat in your house? Oh, 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 yeah. We've got heat in house. I live in a in a in a in downtown, classic downtown, in a refurbished house. This was uh, originally built in the 1950s, but it was completely redone uh, prior to my wife wife moving in here. So we've got a nice house. It's a small place, but it's nice. It's it's pretty toasty. It wasn't nice last night when the electricity went, but that was a wind thing. And, and I mean, it took out a transformer, snapped a pole out here, uh, some kind of wind shear, and, and the, uh, the utility guys were, were on it. This happened at 9 o'clock at night. They had it fixed by midnight. It took like five trucks, and they had to sink another pole. It's amazing wow. they can get this done. I had the same thing happen to me at the Taj in, in Jalalabad. We lost a transformer, only it was, it was blown up, blown up. You know, it didn't blow because of weather. It was blown up. And I knew the mayor and everything. It took three weeks to get another one. <laughs> and I had to I had to pay for it. I had to pay for the damn thing in order to get my electricity back. Yeah, it's uh it's it's nice living in the US where the functional part anyway. Well, um I'm just watching video of uh the snow all over Texas, right? Oh yeah, snow right now. It's I got I got snow flurries outside, but just very minor. It in McAllen, Texas. Look at it oh, on yeah. the map, man. That's crazy. That's crazy. No, let me just tell you, uh, in North Dakota, where, you know, you do this every winter. Um, in fact, we were just talking about this last night at dinner. My daughters, my ex-wife were over and we had dinner together. And, you know, somebody said, yeah, so-and-so posted it was 44 below air temp uh, in Grand Forks where we lived uh, yesterday. And Grand Forks is in a valley and that cold, cold, the coldest of the cold air comes down that valley. Mm, and so you'll yeah. see it like maybe 10 degrees warmer around and in that valley it gets colder and we were talking um i mean utilities uh and having served on the city council up there you know i mean when cities gear up when this stuff happens right because they know they have to have surge abilities to you know to put up whether it be repair water line water is the worst when it breaks like this Oh, we're going to get plenty of that too. I guarantee. Right. So, when, yeah. if if God forbid you should have a water main break or something like that, um, it's awful. It's awful trying to repair that. And then, uh, but the worst is the electricity because the electricity is tied to heat. And but at least up there, right? They they they're ready for this stuff. They have the equipment to do it. I mean, they have all the snow plows. How many snow plows does Dallas or Houston have? I mean, they've got snow plows there. They get snow. They, they don't have any down here. But what we do have is sand because we fill sandbags for flood season. So they've got gigantic pockets of sand and they sanded the streets last night before dawn. So that, that's that was unusual. I didn't think they would they would do that, but they did. But I mean, they don't have like a salt truck or anything. They got guys standing in the back with shovels. Right. You know, we're seven miles from the border. I mean, the labor's cheap here. Right, 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 yeah. right, right. All right. How long is this stuff supposed to stay around? 
a couple more a couple more days and that that will that will cause problems with the water if it does but but yeah well, a couple more days and we'll be back to normal i mean i mean normally dude it's like 85 90 degrees here this is very unusual for february you know um president of mexico says that uh in northern mexico 400,000 people are now part of a power outage there and uh so so you can see when this stuff happens um no bueno, man. No hey, bueno. You're not gonna get you're not gonna get anybody coming across that border right now though. <laughs> I bet you that much. It's no, they'll find people chilling. that try and they die, right? They die. Oh yeah, the wind, yeah, the, wind the wind's whipping. And so you get wet and you get in this wind and the twin you know how it is. Right. But it's not like North Dakota, man. When you step out in that kind of temperature, you understand that it's lethal. That you, that your life is in jeopardy if you stay out there for any length of time. That kind of cold is scary to me. I mean, just terrifying. Well, you know, when when you're stationed in twenty nine palms, one of the things that you wind up um that's a part of your life is there will be mostly elderly people taking a shortcut through the desert, and they will uh, and they will have car problems. And it's 125 degrees, <laughs> and the car breaks down, and one of them winds up dying. They just can't. I mean, they can't oh, take yeah. that kind of heat for any length of time. The same thing happens in North Dakota. If you leave your home and your cell battery isn't what it should be, if somebody doesn't know you're leaving to go someplace else, and I'm talking about not in the city so much, but in the rural areas, right, that you're headed home, and if you don't have a candle, a, a sleeping bag, right, and all your, you know, your emergency stuff, um, you roll the dice with your life because if, if for some reason you hit the hit ice and you go off the road and you're stuck, that candle will save your life. That sleeping bag will save your life. And if you don't have oh, that oh, stuff, no doubt. Yeah. Um, you read no about doubt. people, you know, freezing to death, you know. And uh, so, yeah, you're right. It's it, No, it's serious stuff. It, you know, and then the things that happen to you physically, you walk outside, it's so cold, your nose hairs freeze as soon as they hit the, the, the air. And you feel it up your nose. <clears throat> you're like, what the hell was that? And then you oh, squeeze man. your nostrils. You kind of pinch your nostrils. And you can, like... Uh, you're actually trimming the nose hairs in your hair because they're busting off because they're frozen. I uh, kind of cold. <laughs> I think the coldest weather I've ever been into was was probably up in Gore Province in Afghanistan, about minus minus five, minus ten, and yeah. that and that was enough to get your attention, man. It, it just as soon as you step outside your vehicle, you know you're in trouble if you got unless you got someplace. My to go. son John is in. He's up in Norway. He's up in the Arctic Circle, and I was asking. I asked him. He didn't answer me yet. What's your air temperature there? Wondering if it's uh, he he did that I thing where you warm. jump in the lake, where you jump in a frozen think... lake. They smash through the ice, and then you yeah. jump in, and somebody you grab two ski poles and they pull you out. How, how they teach people to do it. And I said, "How was the water?" He said, "You know, I thought it would be colder than it was." Oh no, it's warm. Yeah, the water's warm compared to what you're just in. Yeah, right. It's always like that. It's when you get out of the water, that's when you get cold. <laughs> now, nah, man, Norway, Norway gets a little bit more moderation from the from the ocean. I don't think they get the Siberian minus like like you like you were talking about. I think I, I'm pretty sure Norway stays just around zero, you know, a little bit below. But uh, but yeah, just, I, 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 that kind of temperature is scary. Just, so it's not that bad here. Something just caught my eye on Twitter. Um, it's it, it's a picture. It looks like Marines. I'm not sure who it is, but it could be soldiers. But um, they're wading through a river in Vietnam, right? So you see the steel pots. You right. s- you see uh, their rifles above their head, 
right? They're helmet liners. They're helmet liners, right? And the little mm-hmm. piece of rubber they wore around them. Um, and it says this. Uh, when it was cool to burn draft cards, there were men who remained loyal to their country, brave men who fought and did their duty when it was popular not to. God bless our Vietnam veterans. Yeah, there you go. Tim's uh, father and his uncle, who who uh, always pops into my head when anybody ever mentions uh, casualty notifications, and <laughs> I should I should yeah. pull that clip out someplace of um tim's uncle you call him chad right yeah yeah he would when i was growing up it was uncle chad my his chuck is his name right and so i'm interviewing chuck and we're talking about his career and he comes home from his first deployment to vietnam and he goes to be a recruiter in upstate new york if i'm not mistaken yes yeah albany Uh uh-huh right and 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 we're talking and and he said well i got through two years of recruiting and then i asked to go back to Vietnam. And I said, really? You asked to go back? And he said, well, Mac, I had done over 100 casualty notifications in two years, and I couldn't do any more. And he started to keep talking. And I said, I said, hold on. Chuck, I said, wait, did you just say you did over 100? He said, yeah. And I was like, I, I mean, most people I know, they run from doing one of them. Right. And so <laughs> and, and they would say everybody says I would clearly rather be in combat, right, fighting than doing that. It well, was absolutely it was horrible. Yeah. He did over 100 of them. And when he calls the monitor to say the, the monitor is the guy who, who assigns you jobs. Right. And he calls the monitor to say that. And he says, um, hey, I can't do this anymore. And the monitor says the only place I can send you is Vietnam. And he says, fine. That's not not a problem. I'll go. Think about that. <laughs> yeah. So whenever, yeah, I whenever I, my, I, I think my Aunt Linda wasn't so happy about that, but uh, but yeah, man, can you imagine a hundred of those things? Jesus. No. You, you know what? The one thing from that interview that I remembered him saying was that he said that the Marines of today are a hell of a lot better than they ever were. He goes, but we were a lot meaner, and I actually believe that. Well, let me just tell you. I mean, I just I just got done speaking for three weeks. Um, and let me tell you what they are. They're smart, right? They're they're fit. Um, but let me tell you what they're not. They and this is the problem. And and I need to write something about this. They come from more turbulence in their families, a lot more. Okay. Um, I, I think one of the great epiphanies for me is the amount of child abuse and sexual violence in the Marine Corps. And I would say is that number is as high as. 60% in terms of people that would report emotional abuse in their home. I think alcohol abuse in their homes for Marines is probably about 50%. Domestic violence, about 40% of Marines would say that that was in there. And this comes from um, a study done on the all-volunteer force. And when you look at those numbers, 43% say there was emotional abuse in their home. 37% said there was, I think, was alcohol was abused 27 percent say that there was domestic violence 12 percent say there was somebody incarcerated and 11 percent say i was touched sexually in my own home 
Mm. Now, okay, so those are DOD wide. And when I do post traumatic winning, I look at everybody and say, so if those are DOD numbers, what would you say the Marine Corps would be? Higher, lower, or the same? Yeah, above the mean. Yeah. And everybody says higher. Why? Well, we're the destination, right, of tough guys. We're the destination of tough girls. And I say, look, for all those numbers, they're all number, they're all higher for women. Know that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. They're all higher for women. That's just a fact. Now, we're the destination for tough guys and girls. Question Why do you become tough when you're a little kid? Because you say, well, yesterday I want to be a cowboy. Today I want to be a tough guy. That's not the way it works. You, be- <laughs> you become tough because life makes you tough. You have a choice. You'll either get tough or you'll be roadkill to somebody or something. That's why we become tough. And then there's a group of people, people that joined the Marine Corps that, didn't, that they felt life required that. They didn't have it. So the Marine Corps will help them. But they come looking for toughness with that in their background. And I say, and so if those numbers are what they are, right, I don't say it's not two or three percentage points higher. In my opinion, it's probably 15 to 20 percent higher. And that's why I have the, I, I, that's why I say what I say, because I believe that's true. And here's the deal, Timmy. We don't know it as uh, the institution doesn't know it. We don't collect that data, and so we don't we don't know that. And that's who's sitting. That's who's in those uniforms. That's who's sitting and standing in those formations with those short haircuts, and they all look great, except they all a lot of them have a shit ton of, ton of bad stuff in their lives, and so they come from that. Their school system overemphasizes their feelings. They don't hold them accountable, so they don't learn how to tighten their belt and say, yeah, this is my fault. I apologize. I'll outwork this shit. It's the teacher's fault or the coach's fault, and they get passed along. And then without having that skill of how to overcome adversity, they get launched into the general population, and they find out nobody gives a fuck about you. Nobody gives a fuck about your feelings. Nobody gives a fuck about you. And and I would say it's like finding out that there's no Santa Claus when you're 37. Like, holy yeah. shit, my whole life I've been raised to believe these things and it ain't that way? No, they mm-hmm. lied to you. It's bullshit. And then they struggle and they don't have any serious mental, mental illnesses. They're just getting their ass kicked. And then what do we do? We send them to mental health who convinces them that they're broken human beings. Do, do you remember before we started wearing name tapes how the Marine Corps was the last service? We didn't put our names on our dungarees because we knew our Marines. That was our big thing, right? Remember right. that? Right. Yeah, and so, and, and I would say as a platoon commander, I knew my Marines pretty damn well, but I didn't know them that well. I, I was only concerned with their performance as Marines, with right. what they've done as Marines, with them and, as a Marine, which granted when you're in a, a MUSOC battalion that's always working up, that's pretty much 24-7 because you don't get a whole lot of time off. But it would have never have occurred to me to, to ask those kind of questions but, now. And, and I realize that it's, uh, I was remiss. Well, that no, that was, well again, uh, an but that's lost. the way we – exactly. That's where I, yeah. I say, look. Yeah, I had lost. I had a Marine, a corporal by the name of Hernandez. And everybody, his nickname was Herc because he was a rocked up dude. He went to the gym when, you know, it wasn't like a cool guy thing to do. Like he, he loved going to the gym. He hardly spoke at all. I had another corporal named Cliff Turner. And Cliff Turner was a, he was a giant human being. He's one of those dudes with the hairy back and all that where he takes off his shirt and everybody goes, oh, Cliff, what the fuck? Cliff, <laughs> Cliff went between and he never spoke a whole lot. You know, he was he was he seemed like a gentle guy, except when he got drunk, and he and he went through periods of sobriety 
And then he went through periods where he was not controllable. And I look back today, and I think the same thing you just said. Yeah. A lost opportunity. Because if I would have known what I knew now, what I know now, I could have sat down and said, hey, Cliff, let's talk about you. Right? I'm interested in you. Yeah, I want to be know. talking to each other today. You know what I'm Probably. saying? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, I know exactly what you're saying. It's kind of a, it's kind of this. But let me just tell you, I thought Timmy, I did good. The problem I, I, is they don't you know? do that in the Marine Corps today. Nah, they, they're crazy because they don't even do formations of freaking knuckleheads. I, I, I cannot believe what an opportunity you get the, the top 30% of the young people in the country and you can't mold them and turn them out as into, you know, coal. Close with and destroy specialists, but you know we 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 use that as a mechanism to mold character into people. I don't understand how you're not turning out kids that are ten times better than when they showed up. Well, you if, if you let me just tell you standard. this: if you would if you would combine today's recruits with our staff NCOs. Oh yeah, you would, <laughs> we, yeah. we should wouldn't have any senior lance corporals. That's for sure. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. In fact, you know, I told. Um, one of my vehicle commander when I was a company commander, um, when I at out at uh third LA R uh out in 29 Palms, um, he came over to see it. And when I started, when and there's a point now where I, I talk about how significant staff and COs are to the culture because they're the parents, right? You're our uh -huh. parents, you're a therapist. The difference between my gunny putting his meat hook on my shoulder, telling me that I would ne never get over that shit, and it coming from somebody who I knew would die for me, I took that shit to the bank. I've never questioned it in my life, right? And But I got pulled deeper into the tribe. I didn't get sent away from it to go see somebody at mental health who, was, who, would, who would have me explain my feelings and talk about my feelings and hold rocks and do all that. That, that wasn't my experience. And the difference between that and, and, and getting sent away from the tribe is night and day. And again, mind you, they don't have a mental health problem. They're just getting their ass kicked by life. So having that big me hook on the shoulder and looking at somebody and saying, hey, man, you can do this. You're not going through anything that the rest of us haven't already been through. We'll teach you how to do that. I'm your guy. Whenever you're struggling, you come see me. You got that shit? Yes, Steph, sorry. You, you, know, you know, when I was a, a, a second lieutenant, we're getting ready to deploy. I had a, a Marine in my platoon. His father was an Air Force officer. This kid was a skinny kid, not very athletic, uh, not hard, not smart, um, not, not, didn't, didn't fit in real well, but also not a shirker of duty. One day, as we were getting ready to deploy, he, uh, he did a suicide ideation thing, took a jump off the third floor deck, into the bushes below, you know, it's in Horno. It wasn't that far. Landed in the bushes right in front of uh, of, of my my platoon guide, Sergeant Egan, who was uh, NCO of the day, staff NCO uh, officer of the night or whatever. And so Egan is like, what the hell did you do that for? Because he wasn't hurt. And he brought him in there and he sat him down. And he called me. I said, well, well wait, I'll come in in the morning. It was about three in the morning. So I'd get in around five and we're figuring out put a charge sheet and get rid of his dumb ass because I didn't, you know, he's a non-performer anyway. But the first sergeant rolled in there and it wasn't any decision making at all. Egan told him what he did. The first sergeant looked at him and he says, you're not getting out of this, this enlistment. You're going to finish this if it's the last. And, and the first sergeant, it was not even, it wasn't even up for debate. Nobody was going to be notified of anything. He was going to go on a deployment in my platoon. And the first sergeant made goddamn sure that he made, finished his enlistment uh, in an honorable fashion. And the kid did. He, uh, I mean, he wasn't a superstar, but he never had a problem with him again. People kind of, you know, 
took it easy on him. Well, but, the, but, but, but the, again, the, the first sergeant made that decision. That was that was. That's how he did it, though. Yeah. That's how we did it. There was no mental yeah. health people. There was no PTSD mm. diagnosis. You nope. look, look. The Marine Corps has done incredible things with a lot of misfits for a long, long fucking time, yeah. right? Because the the company commander wanted to get rid of him, and and the right. first one was like, "No, sir, he's not going anywhere." And that was it. That was the end of the discussion. And 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 do you think that had a slight impact on that kid's life? Holy oh, shit! I know man. it did. I Holy know it did. shit! But again, I know for a fact that's yeah. and so to me, when you start with. They don't have a serious mental illness. They're struggling with life. They come from tough backgrounds. They went, they went through schools that don't give them life skills, but they're really, really in touch with their feelings. And then they come into life, and then life starts kicking their ass, right? And they expected to meet, you know, Samoan Staff Sergeant NE2 that I had, right? Yeah, you know how much fucking yeah. around there was when NE2 looked at you and said, don't do that, right? It was none, right? When when yeah, any two awesome. when any two said, "Don't touch my new Marines." Nobody did shit, and so and they expect to meet him, but instead they meet a drunk Lance Corporal at three in the morning, who's waking them up to thrash him because that's his or her right as a senior Lance Corporal. And you could see why they say, "This is fucking hell. I'm out of here." And they'll, I will say this: the Marine Corps knows that this is a problem. Yeah, the Marine Corps yeah, knows it goes, it's a problem, but they've got a generation of staff NCOs now that have that have grown up that don't understand, right? That aren't that weren't around the Marine Corps when it wasn't like that, and so they look at you like, "What do you want me to do? Like, what am I supposed to do about that?" And that's what you know. It's really interesting talking to senior staff NCOs, Master Guns, Sergeant Majors, right, uh, and, and who've been around when you know when we were young. And they and and they fight this fight every day, which is convincing a, a a generation of enlisted leaders that your job is to be a parent for all these guys. And the Marine Corps made it hard with the pack order and other stuff, you know. And saying that, and, and what the staff and COs aren't confident with is right. And we talked about this what last time we we were we did right. the Mensa brothers was um, if somebody allegates against me, I'm going to lose my career. So I'm standing yeah, where, my- where, where it used to be the exact opposite. Somebody starts whining and, and, uh, and, and he, and he would get the, uh, wire brush treatment before anybody did anything about the allegation. Right. That was always the, no. You know, and it brings me back to what I was saying about my uncle Chad. The one thing you could say about those Marines in the seventies and the sixties was you, you fuck with them and you were going to get into a fight. There was no doubt about, about what would happen if, if you pushed them uh, over what they thought was an appropriate line. And I guess you just don't see that anymore because we don't see kids don't fight when they're young anymore. They'll get, get arrested if they do. It's, no, I, that's, I said my, when my driver asked me about it, that's one of the things he said. He said, oh, we'd have straight up fought over that. You're going to come in, yeah. you're oh, going to come in my room and, and, and you're going to, and you're going to, you're going to pull that shit on me. He, and he just laughed, right? He said, we'd have fought, we'd have fought. And then he said, and when the staff and COs found out about it, they'd rip the barracks down. Oh, You're man. going to defy and, them? No. And the, th the, and the thing is, I got in a fist fight when I was a corpsman. I got in a good one. It was a Donnybrook, too. This kid could fight, and so could I. Guess who my best friend was at, at, about a year later? <laughs> Same kid. The kid that played his music right. too loud in the daytime when I was, I was a day sleeper. I was working nights. And that's what that was what it was all about. It, it, within, within a month, we're like the, the, the best friends you've ever seen.
you know, and that's the other component about not allowing males to socialize like we always did, because I'm afraid that involves fighting. It always does. It, 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 it's just does, but not anymore. Well, and, and again, I've always called that, you know, recreational fighting, right? Yeah. It's yeah. like, look, it's a, they're settling a disagreement. Leave them alone. Right. Yeah. Do we need to be involved in this? No. Yep, exactly. Even 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 when they injure each other, it's not the end of the world. Got him. But, got him. You know, All right. You what know. kind of cold weather gear do you have to 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 be uh, to be uh, to be dancing around in uh, McAllen? What do you, you have? I've anything? Got, oh, I've got a I've got a black rifle coffee company. Uh, those Woodleys, <laughs> those, those the zip up sweatshirts that are made out of the poncho liner. Oh, frog skin camo pattern because I'm Texan. Yeah, I'm all hooked up, brother. <laughs> yeah, right. the rest of my stuff is out in storage. I've got good stuff from from you know over the years, but yeah, yeah, all I'm, right. I'm all hooked up with Black Rifle Coffee Wobbly uh, sweatshirt, and I'm loving it too. Well, I believe. Uh, well, first of all, thanks for coming on and giving us the weather update. Uh, absolutely uh, appreciate that, and we'll talk to you at some point during the week. Thanks. Roger that, brother. Have a good week. All right, see you, Timmy. Tim Lynch from McAllen, Texas, talked about all kinds of stuff. Weather update, though. Um, I don't know what I'm going to do this week. i got to figure that out today. But I wanted to come back on and uh, and say hey to everybody because uh, I missed. When I don't do the show, uh, I miss it. Yeah. And, uh, and so uh, this is part of my family. And, uh, and uh, I, uh, I enjoy doing it. And so, but... Um, just so everybody knows, I try to do it as often as I can. Sometimes I just, it's, uh, the days are too long. My days, um, last three weeks, uh, start at like 5.30, something like that, showering and whatnot, and then, uh, getting ready and then head over and make sure, try to get to the venue about an hour before. And then once I'd start talking, I'd be talking for about almost the next 11 hours and uh and then i you know and then some nights uh there'd be people i meet that i i knew i should speak to and um and so that would come before on nights that that i didn't have that going on i tried to do something so anyhow um but some nights i just wasn't able to so so anyway but it's good to be home again i get to see jack and joe and uh, and I get to do this. So, uh, but again, uh, I I had uh, just an absolutely incredible experience the last three weeks with the Marines and sailors of the Second Marine Airway. And uh, want to thank uh, the leadership of the wing um, for allowing me to to, to do that. Um, it was a it was a great great experience for me something i'll never forget as as whenever i do this is but to be able to do it uh that much was uh pretty cool so uh so but we're back now and uh and we'll be here for uh for a while so so exciting and then uh post-traumatic winning i'll make one more advertisement for it uh, there's a kind of a pilot program seminar that's going on uh it's not too late if you want to participate shoot me an email and uh, I will uh, I will put you in touch with the people that run it, and uh, and you can participate in it if you want to. So again, uh, with that said, that'll do it for the day. 
If you're just tuning in, if a teen man talks about bug splat, explain, explains what a bug splat is uh, in a conversation about secondary trauma. So, um, so what is a bug splat? You'll get to hear about that. Will comes on, and everybody gives a weather update, right? And so everybody's giving weather updates, and uh, Will's not happy that General Neller, who he likes, is participating in the renaming of Military Bases Commission, which he sees as absolutely political. And Will sees that as a thick line. You're being asked by politicians, right? To lend your name to something political. And they're using your name and credibility as their cover to do what they're going to do. So, uh, and then Tim gives us a report 22 degrees in McAllen, Texas. McAllen, Texas, right across the border from Mexico. Pretty, Pretty amazing. So, have a great day. I'll see you tomorrow. Happy President's Day to you. And just know this, Washington and Lincoln were two of the greatest presidents in American history. And nothing tarnishes that. Nothing. The footnotes of their life, in the context of the times they lived, They were extraordinary men. And I will tell you this. Were they alive today, they'd still be extraordinary. Because that's the kind of people they were. But in the long march of history, to take the telescope and turn it around and say, by today's standards, they're bullshit. That's bullshit. So... Have a great day. On a Monday, it's good to be home. I am out. And don't be afraid to change somebody's life either. It's the best way to spend your life. Now I'm out.